Welcome to Policy Today. Thoughtful discussion of current issues vital to the future prosperity of Washington State. Produced by the Washington Research Council. My name is Lou Moore. I'm the president of the Washington Research Council, and I'm here today with Chris Schobloom, who is our vice president for research, as well as Emily Makings, who is our senior policy analyst. So, Emily, you are staff lead on an ongoing study uh, on the minimum wage. So what is Washington's current minimum wage? Washington has the highest state minimum wage at $9.47 per hour this year. And Washington is, has no tip credit, unlike the federal minimum wage, which is $7.25 and has a tip credit of $2.13. So what exactly is a tip credit? So with a tip credit, uh, an employer must pay an employee $2.13 per hour. And then if they earn tips, then that's the only responsibility the employer has. But if they don't earn enough tips to make up the difference between $7.25 and $2.13, the employer has to make up the difference. So many states have tip credits. The federal government does, but Washington does not. Okay. Um, also, another semi-unique feature of Washington's uh, minimum wage is that since 1998, it, it has been indexed to inflation like only uh, 10 other states. So there are several unique features of Washington's minimum wage. Additionally, a couple of cities in, in the state have decided to increase their minimum wage even further. SeaTac has a $15 minimum wage that is currently in effect for certain workers in the area. And Seattle has increased its minimum wage, and it will go to $15 for all workers by 2018 for large employers and by 2021 for small employers. Okay, and just to clarify, the, uh, the state minimum wage, is it at $9.47 now, or is it on a schedule to get up to that level? It's currently $9.47. Okay. And then next year will be increased by inflation again. So it's okay. ever upwards. Uh, I think so, as long as we have inflation, I guess. Well, there was one year where there was negative inflation, but the minimum wage did not decrease. It just stayed the same that year, 2010. Okay, yeah, after the after the downturn. Mm -hmm. So this year there's talk in the legislature about the minimum wage. What's going on in Olympia? Yes, HB, House Bill 1355 was approved by the House Labor Committee recently, and it would increase the state minimum wage to $12 by 2019. So it's stepped up. I think it goes to $10 first, then $10.50, then $11, then $12. And then it would be also indexed to inflation. And then there are a few bills that would allow uh, for a lower training wage for teenagers, and that would be 85% of the minimum wage. But those haven't had any action yet. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a, a common criticism about the minimum wage is what it does to youth and employment. So where are Washington's minimum wage workers? So we did a few policy briefs last year on the minimum wage, and these numbers are from those, which we'll post um, along with this podcast. About 3% of full-time equivalent jobs in the state are at the minimum wage. 21.9% of minimum wage jobs are in King County, but only 1.6% of King County's jobs are at the minimum wage. And counties in central Washington have the highest percentages of minimum wage jobs in the state. And uh, lastly, minimum wage jobs are concentrated in the accommodation and food services sector, retail trade sector, and agricultural sectors. 
Okay, so in other words, in King County, there's a lower percentage of minimum wage uh, jobs than there is statewide. Correct. Okay, and, and there's a, a fairly high concentrations in some of our communities in central Washington. Right. Where there's agriculture and things like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. What are the economic impacts of these increases in the minimum wage? That's something that a lot of folks are concerned about. I mean, what does it do to our economy and the job market overall? What, what are experts telling us? Uh, economists Newmark and Washer did a, a literature review several years ago, and they found that there are really four main effects of a minimum wage. First is that they reduce employment for low-skilled workers. They can reduce, actually reduce earnings among low-skilled individuals. They do not reduce poverty. And fourth, they, they hinder human capital acquisition, so they have um, negative impacts on long-run earnings. On the, the first one, on the re reductions in employment, this has been consistently shown by numerous studies that employment has gone down because of minimum wages. There's one famous study by Card and Kruger that found the opposite. They found that in the early 90s that employment increased in fast food restaurants following a minimum wage increase. But as Newmark and Washer say, the preponderance of evidence is on the other side. And in 2014, CBO estimated that raising the federal minimum to $10.10 from the $7.25 would reduce employment by 500,000 people. On the second point, the employment and hours, because a higher minimum wage causes employment and hours to decline among low-wage workers, the higher minimum actually is found to reduce earnings by these individuals, which might be a little counterintuitive. On the third point, even Card and Kruger, who had done the study in New Jersey, even they agreed that a minimum wage is a blunt instrument for redistributing income to poor families. And there's no empirical evidence that minimum wages have beneficial distributional impacts. So if, if the point of, if the reason you care about the minimum wage is that it helps bring families out of poverty, it's, it's unclear that that actually is the case. And then again, because minimum wages, higher minimums lead to lower school enrollments, and lower school completions because they bring people into the workforce if they're lucky enough to get a job. Um, they hinder human capital acquisition, which means that they have long-run impacts as well. Can you explain that a little bit, human capital acquisition? What exactly do, uh, does that mean? So if you're going to school less, if you're not getting as much training, uh, you're not going to have skills that you need to further your career down the road kind of, it's almost like you're stuck in place, I, I guess I would say. So what that's saying is, is that, that an individual is less likely to be as valuable as human capital. And entrepreneurs seeking to obtain human capital have a pool of folks that are, are less valuable in that right. regard. Okay. All right. Some other studies recently, in 2012, economists found that for each 10% increase in the minimum wage, about one-sixth fewer jobs are created. People are always saying, well, the minimum wage increased in, in this area and jobs didn't decrease overall. But one of the things that this study found was that one of the most important employment effects of minimum wage laws is that they 
create a decline in the hiring of new employees. So you're not necessarily necessarily firing people, you're just not growing your business. Is that also saying that, that in the marketplace, the variety of, of human desires might still be met with a variety of businesses, but those businesses will not have as many people there to help you when you walk into the business? Yeah, Is that, yeah. Okay. Additionally, in 2014, just recently, a study found significant negative effects on employment and income growth due to minimum wage because uh, through employment decline again, also from increased likelihood of working without pay, like in internships. And they found lost wage growth from reduction in experience. So because you weren't able to have as many job experiences, you experience wage, wage losses down the road, or you didn't experience growth. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, I mean, they wrapped up by saying that minimum wage increases may have made the first rung on the earnings ladder more difficult for low-skilled workers to reach. So how does the, the typical worker fare? I, I was at a press conference with our partners at uh, AWB and the Washington Roundtable, and a reporter asked uh, representatives from those two groups, asked them, uh, well, what about a 55-year-old, uh, uh, he, he said female, that works in the hospitality industry that doesn't have, at least uh, on the surface, a, a chance at mobility in the job place? It's not a training wage for this person. Uh, this is her lot in life. So, so why is it fair that she should make so little money, and wouldn't it be a lot better for her to increase her wages to $12 or $15 an hour from from the 947. How would we answer that question? Well, I think the research, as I've noted, shows that minimum wages are really a trade-off. So some people might be made better off. They might get higher wages in the meantime. But many would lose their jobs or face longer-term negative impacts from reductions in wages. And mobility as well. So it's it's not clear that increasing minimum wages would do anything at all to increase the hotel workers' mobility. There are also questions about, I mean, she might face uh, the benefits cliff, as they call it, where if you earn above a certain amount, you lose your, your benefits, but you're not earning enough to make up for the loss of the benefits. But it's unclear at what point that might occur without knowing a a zillion particulars about the, the individual. Mm-hmm. It's, it would be different for everyone. There is uh, an effect that comes uh, because of decreased hiring. And it may be that your, your uh, hospitality worker is better off as long as she holds the job she happens to be in. But uh, if she loses that job for some reason, you know, the restaurant just business model doesn't work or the tastes change that uh, people don't want fried chicken anymore they want sushi and she gets laid off at the chicken place she may never be able to get on at the sushi place right sure so society has determined and the electorate determines over and over again that there should be a minimum wage we've had a minimum wage in this country for a long time So how do we balance those two factors? One, that society feels like there should be some kind of safety net in general, which includes a minimum wage, but how do we do that without 
killing the goose that's laying the golden egg, so to speak. If you're talking about a sixth uh, reduction in economic growth, if I heard you correctly, Emily, from every 10% increase in the minimum wage, and, and some of these uh, proposals now are certainly talking about more than, they're all talking about more than that, mm-hmm. the ones that we're hearing about in Olympia. So, Chris, Emily, either one of you, I mean, uh, how can that work out the best for the citizens in Washington State? Well, I think what economists tend to say, who, uh, economists who are skeptical about minimum wages, say that there are sort of other portions of the safety net that, are, that should be looked at. Um, on the federal level, we have the in- earned income tax credit, um, and there's a lot, there is some talk in Washington about broadening that so that it, it will um, serve unmarried people and not just, not just be targeted at uh, women with children. And then we have other things such as food stamps and a number of other programs that kind of step in. And that kind of, um, of direct uh, aid given to, to people who need it uh, at least doesn't interfere with the labor market the way the minimum wage does. So it's finding a set of policies that try to accomplish the goals you've set out, the humanistic goals you've set out, but do the minimal damage to the workings of the market. Mm-hmm. Plus, there are a number of people who earn the minimum wage for some period of time who aren't, who no one would really consider to be poor or needy. So it really isn't targeted very well. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about businesses for a second. We're talking about how the work would fare. How do businesses fare with a minimum wage? Well, they don't grow their businesses as much as they would otherwise, as I said. Small local businesses would be the least able to make the change. There um, is a very well-publicized case from last week about a bookstore in San Francisco who was a small local bookstore, and they said they're closing because of the San Francisco's high minimum wage. One writer, I think at the New Yorker, had done the math and figured out that the owner of this neighborhood bookstore was making less per hour than he would be able to under the new minimum wage working for someone else. So you've just destroyed um, however many people he had working for him, plus his own entrepreneurial capabilities by raising the minimum wage that much. So, And he said he, he maintains that he's a fan of the minimum wage. He likes the policy. So there's a, a disconnect there. But I think people need to realize that the local business that they love so much in their neighborhood can't take this, probably. Is it fair to say that, that some folks would benefit or would likely benefit from an increase in the minimum wage along, uh, along the order that we're talking with some of this proposed legislation, but like many interventions of the government in the economy, there will be some unintended consequences? Yes. Well, we will watch carefully to see if any more unintended consequences come our way here in Washington State. My name is Lou Moore. I'm here with Chris Showbloom and Emily Makings. We're with the Washington Research Council. Policy Today is a production of the Washington Research Council, dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.